hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Luke chapter 7, verse 17. Let's go ahead and go there. 17 through verse 30. And this rumor of him went out, went forth throughout all of Judea and throughout all the region around about. And the disciples of John showed him all of all the things that he had done. And John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Are you he that should come, or should we look for another? And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how the, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he, whoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, hey, they will, which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in the king's court. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he, speaking of John, of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face which shall prepare thy way before ye. For I say unto you, among those that are born among women, there's not one greater, not a greater prophet in all the land than John the Baptist. But look at here. But he that is least in the kingdom, kingdom of God, is greater than John the Baptist. And all of the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with, with the, the people that were baptized with John said, well, hey, this sounds good to me. But chapter, verse 30 says this. But the Pharisees, the lawyers, rejected the counsel of God against themselves because they weren't baptized of John's baptism. Now you gotta think. Here's what was going on during that time. John the Baptist was the heir to the high priest, the priesthood. His dad was Zacharias. He was, the Zacharias was in their temple doing his, uh, his daily functions as the high priest would. He would do the sacrifice, he'd do the cleansing, would do the sprinkling of the blood. He was servicing daily the showbread. He was doing all that daily inside the temple. He has a son out of the blue, and you know this as well as I do. He was six months older than Jesus. It was Elizabeth and Zachariah had the baby named John. Six months later, here comes Jesus through um, uh, Mary and Joseph. Okay, or marrying Jesus, or marrying God, however you want to look at that. You figure it out. Um, but she had this six-month-old baby. You got, she's six months pregnant ahead of, of, of Mary. And when Mary walks in the room with Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, her womb leaped, and John was filled with the Holy Spirit immediately in, in her womb. The womb leaped, okay? That was while they were still yet pregnant and the baby hadn't been born. As they grow older, because they're cousins, as they grow older, John the Baptist is the heir 
to the priesthood. He's the guy that's supposed to take this thing over and take over his daddy's spot when his daddy dies. He's the guy that's gonna be in there doing exactly what his daddies did, waiting on the Messiah to come. He was doing the daily functions, daily tasks, the daily ritual, the daily religious experience. Here's what happened. As he got older, there was something different about John the Baptist that was different than any other heir to the priest. John put on camel's outfit, camel's hair outfit. He would eat locusts and wild and, and honey. And he would be out in the river by the river Jordan. He didn't go to the temple. He didn't go to the tabernacle plant. He didn't, he didn't go there with his dad. And, and his dad didn't try to force him into being just like him. He knew John was different. He said to himself, man, this guy, this boy, is different than me. So he allowed him to be unique and he allowed him to be diverse and he didn't make him try to make him after his own self. He, I'm here, I'm talking to somebody today. It's just because a generation doesn't look like you, act like you and think like you doesn't mean they don't have God in them. Just like you're, sometimes your kids don't do like you think they ought to do all the time, sometimes God just allows that to turn because he's ready to fix them for an entire generation. He's shifting things that another generation couldn't shift because we're kind of sometimes set in our own ways. So just because they think differently, say differently, act differently, dress differently sometimes, right? Just because they're that way, don't get all caught up in that. Because if the Lord is in it, you're not gonna be able to figure it out anyway. So here's John the Baptist. He gets you know, to be about 30 years old and he's, and he's down here doing his thing. He's baptizing everybody saying, Listen, I'm still doing the priesthood. You just don't know it. I'm down in the Jordan River and everybody needs to be repent and be baptized unto re to repentance. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of God is coming to hand. There's one coming after me that's gonna be greater than me. I'm only preparing the way. I wanna point you to him. So you have to know that you need to be repentant. Your, your wicked ways isn't gonna be good enough anymore. So God began to use John the Baptist as that priesthood to cleanse and purify a generation of people. He began to speak to them about their sins. And, and it was one man named Herod that was, was messing with his, his, his uh, I think his sister-in-law, or yeah, sister-in-law, and, and, and he hated John the Baptist. John the Baptist was still pointing out, man, you're wrong. He didn't mind pointing out sin. John was, he didn't mind, he was a sin, I call him a sin sniffer. You know those people? They, just, they walk in and go, there's something, there's sin in that, there's sin in the camp. Well, there's people, <coughs> excuse me, there's people or sin, right? And sometimes we got those people, and they're all holy, and I used to say it like this, their nose is so stuck up in the air, if it ever rained real hard, they'd drown. Because they got their nose up, looking at everybody, because there's, they don't have sin, but everybody else does, right? Well, you can't be one of those people because all we gotta do is talk to the people that are close to you. Right? They'll point it out, and they still love you, so we can still love you too if we got to know you. That's the way it works. So John was pointing out all these things. Guys, it's time to turn you from your wicked ways. His responsibility and role was fulfilling a prophecy in Malachi that said he'll turn back the fathers to their son and their sons to their fathers. He was reconnecting a generation of people but doing it in a different method. It wasn't the same old method but it was it's the same gospel. So he comes and he begins to repent. You gotta repent. And all the people that were in the, in the world, the sinners, were going, man, I know how filthy I am. I know I gotta get right. So they were going down into the Jordan River 
and they were getting baptized to get that sin and filth off of them, right? So everybody that did that, it was incredible because they had this release of pressure and condemnation and guilt that was going off their shoulders going, God, I don't have to carry this guilt around anymore. The problem was John the Baptist could only get it off of them. He wasn't the one to get them into the kingdom. He was getting the sin off of them, but he wasn't getting them into the kingdom. You hear me? It's, it's not just getting it off of you, it's just good enough. You gotta get it off of you so you can go in. That's what's wrong with a lot of people in the world today. We have, we have evangelized an entire Western culture of people so they know how to repent of their sins, but only a fraction of people know how to get into the kingdom. Amen. Right? We know the cross very well, but the resurrection is a whole different story. That's where the church is going. That's what 2019 is going to be, that l- the year of life and the year of resurrection. You're gonna see it. People are gonna come alive. People are gonna, you're, you're gonna see it from my very, you're gonna see people get saved that you would have never thought would have got saved. And then you're, you're gonna see people get saved that you thought were already saved. So well, what happened to you? Well, I got saved. I mean, I preached a service one time and I didn't know it, but the youth pastor wasn't saved in this church. And he had a 30 or 40 young people. And I'm preaching, and I do an altar call. And he comes up to the altar first thing. Man, he's right up here. And I said, hey, I don't know if you misunderstood me or not, but I was doing an altar call. He wanted, you can stand up here and help me pray. He said, no, I need to get saved. I said, dear God. <laughs> so I lead the guy to the Lord, and I brought him up on platform, and I said, now you do the altar call. You know all these people. And he did it, and he did it. And all these young people got saved. Amen. Isn't that crazy? That's just what's, that's what we're living. Because we know how to be churched and we know how to live a good moral life in most cases. We know what's, you don't have to tell me what's moral and what's not moral. You know, but you don't need to be saved to live moral. I know a lot of people that are not saved that live moral. I know, I know church people, Christian people that will cheat you. And I know some sinners that won't. They need John's baptism, <laughs> right? So what I'm saying is this. John was bringing them to that place. The problem was there was two groups of people. There was the group of people that realized I needed to hit the Savior and get saved and they, to get the, uh, the, the baptism of John. But then there was a whole other group of people like the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's counsel because they didn't accept John's baptism because they thought they were already right. They were already representing something for God. They didn't understand there was a new way a new introduction that was coming. There was an old thing was dying and a brand new thing was coming in. John was the last of the old and Jesus was the first of the new. And it was all happening before their very eyes. Now see, here's what happens. It's scary at times in life when you think that something's always gonna happen down the road. But do you realize you're living in a time right now that some things are just really happening for the real time right now. You're living in 2018 going into 2019 and it's a real moment, it's a real time. We're always living from the cross, from the death of Jesus and we're always looking for him to come back. But what are you gonna do right now? How do you live right this moment? What's happened, what is God recording in heaven in your life for this moment? What is it, what is right now? And sometimes we're always yesterday and tomorrow, but we forget now's the day of salvation, right? So what are you recording for your life and for your kids and for your family and for your job, for your business, for your life, whatever, your, your health, whatever, what are, you, what are you recording right this moment? 
John was killing off something. Jesus was entering into something. So you had these people that were watching all these people come down to get baptized, excited, baptized in the Jordan River. My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. And all of us, but the, but the religious people, the Pharisees were going, this is a waste of time. If he really knew who he was, if he really was who he says he was, and if he really, he's dishonoring his dad right now because if he really was Zacharias' son and honoring his dad, he'd be in the temple right now doing what his dad's doing, learning the things his dad should be teaching him. All the while, John's down there going, under righteousness, baptized, baptized, baptized. And the religious people going, poor guy, he's just out of control. He's missing the whole point. And all of a sudden, one day, a real moment happened. A real moment. Here comes this man walking down the road and he comes up to this Jordan River and he looks up and here's John the Baptist and his eyes fastened upon this guy. And keep in mind, 30 years earlier, John was filled with the Holy Ghost when his mom's womb leaped. So all of a sudden, a discernment hit him when he started walking down that path. He looks at Jesus, and out of these people he's baptizing, keeps in mind, the people that are receiving the baptism because they're hungry, they want, they want free, the people out here that are looking going, you're a fool, you're in the wrong place. What are you doing down here eating locusts and wild honey? Look what he's dressed. He's an embarrassment to the kingdom, or to the, to the church world. He's an embarrassment. He needs to be back in, somebody needs to talk to him. Right? He, he needs to get right. And he's baptizing. All of a sudden he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Well, just a little cross town was his daddy inspecting the lamb that was an animal. And his dad inspected the lamb that was an animal because his dad was doing the ritualistic part of what John was doing in reality. The religion over here was becoming a reality of life. While he's looking at an animal, John's pointing out the animal is now a man. High priest, new order. It, go, it had gone from form to actuality. Behold the Lamb of God, take away the sins of the world. Jesus comes down, he says, I need to be baptized. And John says, I'm not even worthy to baptize. I can't even tie your shoelaces, I'm not worthy. I need to be baptized of you. Jesus says, I have to be baptized of you so that righteousness can be fulfilled. Jesus had not had a sin, no sin, knew no sin. But he had to follow humanity under John's baptism. Why? Because it was putting, putting closure, the beginning of closure, to an old way. Right. So Jesus could become the new way. Right. So John baptized him and says, this is wonderful. Out of, the, out of the, the, the water, the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. What spirit? The same spirit that made John's mom womb leap. He leads him down to the wilderness for 40 days. John... Now still has continued to do his stuff while Jesus is still doing his. Jesus, John looks at these disciples and says, listen, y'all don't need to be following me. You need to be following him. I'm not him. He, he, I'm not him. He's, he's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the one. Everybody, sinners and publicans and Pharisees and lawyers alike, everyone, he is the one. We need to follow him. All of a sudden, a great divide started happening right in the body of in the, in the believers right there. You had the people over here that went, I'm gonna follow him. Over here you had people going, he's out of his mind. Not only is he rebellious, 
He's losing his head. That man can't be, you better get over there with your dad and help him inspect those lambs. They're bringing you animals over there, John, and your dad needs help. And he's going, you don't understand. The lamb has become a man. Division was happening all over the place. Jesus didn't care about the division. He just walked on up to the, to the wilderness for 40 days, was tempted of the devil, overcame, came out full of power, and began to go, will you follow me? I'll make you become fishers of men. You follow me, you follow me, you follow me. While that was going on, John's still in the Jordan River, baptizing people under righteousness. Why? Because he's making way for Jesus. Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he comes back around, and all of a sudden now, Jesus' ministry starts getting crazy. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's calling sinners, tax collectors, crazy people. He's calling people that nobody else wanted to talk to to come follow him and he's gonna change them. He starts picking his people. And it wasn't the people that everybody thought he should pick. And Jesus starts building the church, going, come follow me. And he begins to perform all these wonderful miracles and changes take place in people's life. And all of a sudden, while John is still pointing out sin, he fires up Herod. And Herod goes and gets John and puts him in prison. And that's what sets this whole passage of scripture up. Here's a guy that was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Here's a guy 30 years after that points out the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The one that saw it all happen. Jesus comes out of the wilderness doing all these wonderful miracles. And John's witnessing this. His people are witnessing this. And now John fires off on Herod. Herod throws him in jail. He's gonna kill him. He's gonna behead him. John calls his disciples together. And what I can't figure out is why these people still following John. After Jesus is doing his stuff and John's telling him to do his stuff, why are these people still following John? Now John is in jail. He's in prison. He knows his sentence is to be beheaded and get his head cut off. And I know he's sitting there thinking, man, I could have picked on anybody but Herod. My God, when I, I could, why couldn't I let that one go? Because he knows Herod is gonna kill him. So John is in, in prison, waiting his sentence to death. And he calls his disciples together, John's disciples. He says, listen, I need you to do me a favor. I think Jesus is over there would you go ask him if he's the one or should we go ahead and look for another? What? You're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit from your mother's womb? You grow up as his cousin? Your daddy is the priest? You see him coming down the road and you baptize him into water because the Spirit of God told you that was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world? And he comes walking in there and you baptize him. And now you find yourself in trouble. You find yourself bound up. You find yourself in a situation that you can't fix on your own. And you want to start questioning him. Why did you know it when you were thought you were free? But when we get bind up in a box and things aren't turning out the way we thought they should, we begin to doubt, is he the one or should we look for another? How many of us have been in this, that situation where John is? You're going, dear God, I can't make ends meet. It was okay when he was helping you pay the bills. Your body's breaking down, but he healed you before. Now when it's not working, and you prayed every prayer you know. You see the end doesn't look good for you. The answers aren't coming like you thought they should be coming. Things are working out way different than you hoped they would. 
People are around you going, hey, what do you, we can't help you. His disciples were there, but they couldn't get him out of prison. Even the people around him couldn't help him. What do you do? When, when you've prayed all you know how to pray, you've cried all the tears that you can possibly cry, and nothing around you can change your circumstances, situation. Our natural tendency, even John the Baptist, was to look at Jesus and say, if you're really the one, why am I in this position? We do it every day. We do it every day. We look at him and say, why is it that my kids are not saved when I'm serving you? If you're really God, are you gonna do it God or do I have to do this myself? You ever been in a position that you're completely boxed in and nothing you do is working? And you're boxed in. If you turn to the right, you turn to the left, you just, all you're doing is just turning. You're not going anywhere. There's no advancement. And you're going, God, this has got to change. I don't see any end in sight. Sometimes when you don't see any end in sight, we begin to question and we begin to doubt. God, what could I have done differently? Is there something I need to do? Do I need to pray more, study more? What, what John did was he called his buddies together and he said, look, I can't get to him. Listen to this. He didn't even have enough energy and a way to get to Jesus because he was so bound up. You ever been there? You don't even know how to pray. You don't even have the words to say. You're tired of saying the same words over and over again. So what you do is the people that you think are close to Jesus, you call them. Hey, look, look, I know you love me, and I'm, we're close to you, my disciple, we're friends, and I know you're not gonna say anything, but I need you to get a hold of him. Can somebody get a hold of Jesus and let him know I'm in this place? Because somehow he's forgot me. I've heard it. And he sends them over, and the disciples go to Jesus, and listen, and I know what they probably said, they're just like every other people. They probably went to Jesus and said, listen, we're here for a friend. We don't doubt that you, we know you are who you say you are. It's, it's John. It's John. He's come a long way, but you know when you're in a tight place, Jesus, you know how it is, bro. It just kind of works against you sometimes. So we're here to ask, and he wants to ask. This is not our words or his words. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we've all been that friend too. If it's your will, Lord, heal him. If it's your will, free him. If it's your will, no, when John comes to you, and says, or when, you're free, when somebody comes to you and you're the, you're the vehicle, you don't have the luxury of going over here and saying, look, I'm gonna distance myself from this just for a minute. Gee, it's really between you and him. I'm just kind of just playing, I'm filling in the gap. No, you need to go and say, look, I'm friends with him. He's in a box. He, he's doomed, he's done. I'm asking you, are you the one or should we look for another? You gonna do this or you're not? Jesus looked back at them and said, I'm gonna answer you in a minute. It was not a direct answer. Read it. He went to healing people. He went opening up blind eyes, opening up deaf ears, raising people back from the dead. He starts doing his stuff that he was doing before John ever went into jail. He did not stop his activity or his ministry or his function or his purpose or his direction 
or his plan or his purpose. He did not direct, he did not stop that to answer a couple of doubting people. What he did was he brought them from their doubt into his place. Jesus didn't come over here and say, oh, hey, let me, uh, hang on just a second. Let me explain this to you. I gotta go back to my ministry. He said, I'm doing it. He looked at them and said, go tell John. The de- not the death were healed, uh, were, or the death were healed, the death are being healed. The eyes are being opened. I've never stopped doing what I'm doing. The only thing that stopped was John's circumstances. John, your circumstances changed which caused you to doubt me. You got offended by me because I'm out here doing my thing when your thing seems to be not working now. And I know what John had to be thinking. Have you ever been there? And you're thinking to yourself, God, what was I thinking? God, I gave my whole life to you. Man, I, I've not done this, I have not done that. I have not. You start qualifying yourself when you're in a place. Amen. Right? You start saying, how did I get here, God? And then you start going, I don't deserve this. If anybody didn't deserve it, it was John. Amen. So Jesus looks over here and says, tell him, go back and tell him not to be, not, don't be offended in me. Don't, here's the deal. Don't get offended when things aren't working out like you think they should. And you're wondering if it's me, the devil, or you, or something else. Don't get offended at me because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm working a plan that's bigger than the plan that you could ever possibly imagine, John. You go back and tell John. You go back and tell him not to be offended in me. Do you know... Jesus never even addressed those disciples until he, he, was still, he continued to perform those miracles. So those guys didn't go back and tell them what Jesus said. They went back and told John what Jesus was doing. Amen. You know how to help an, an offended person? Give them an experience. Not an argument. Not a debate. An experience. I had a guy one time come up to me and his, his wife just didn't believe in any healing, didn't believe in like full gospel, didn't believe in it at all. And he came up to me and he said, I really need you to pray over me because I'm, I'm gonna convince her that, that things gotta change. She's gotta get on board. She's gotta get on board. She's gotta get on board. And I said, what you, I mean, what, what do you want from me? And he goes, just give me some, here's what, when we get spiritual, we do it this way. Because he was John that day. He said, I need some words of wisdom. I said, I don't have any words of wisdom but you want me to help you to manipulate her? Is that what you're saying? He said, will that work? <laughs> I said, probably not, probably not. I said, I can tell you this though. I said, and this is the craziest thing, because this only happened to me a couple of times in my life, but he, as we were having this conversation, he said, I said, well, manipulation, will that, will that help? He goes, will that work? And I said, probably not. And he said, I can't take it anymore. I know there's more, and she doesn't believe there's more. And I, she said, she, she just wants to go to, the, go to church. She watches it online. She, and I said, okay. He kept coughing the whole time we were talking. The whole time we were ca- talking, he kept coughing. Excuse me. He kept eating cough drops. One right after another, coughing. And it was a deep cough. And I could tell it was irritating because he kept apologizing for it. And finally, I said, how long have you had that cough? He said, because I've had this cough for six months. I put my hand on his chest real hard. And I went, you don't have that cough anymore. Like that. And it knocked him back. And he went, <coughs> okay. Okay, I said, no, well, tell me more about her. And, we, and I wasn't plotting, it just came out. He went, 
And he went on another 15 or 20 minutes telling about her. So he goes home, and we came up with some pretty good words of wisdom. It just wasn't spiritual, okay? I, we were just, have you used this scripture on her? Have you used this scripture on her? Yeah, I've tried all that, but try it again. It might work today, all right? So he goes home, and he does his thing. She finally looks at him, and she says, a few days go by, and she says, hey, I've noticed uh, you haven't been coughing. And she went, he went, gosh, I've just noticed I haven't been coughing. And, it, and the light went off in his head. Huh. She said, well, what happened? And he went, what is the craziest thing? He said, and finally he had to confess. He said, well, I was talking to the pastor about you. And he tells her the story. And he said, and he just hit me in the chest, pushed me back real quick. And then he went on about the, and he said, and I have not coughed since. And she went, listen, she goes, she goes, my back has been hurting. Do you think he would pray for me? <laughs> True story. And he said, I don't know if he'll pray for you, but I will. Amen. Boom, he puts his hand on her back and he begins to pray and he begins to pray and he begins to pray. Now, it didn't heal overnight. It took about a week of prayer. And I think it was all of him working it out because I think he was still lacing it with a lot of his scripture that he was trying to get her to convince. So he was just laid his hand on her back. He prayed, and after a week later, he came back to me. She was with him. And she said, I gotta tell you. She said, I don't know what's happened. She said, but my back is better. And you, you prayed for him, and his cough went away. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I said, so what's happening at home here? And she said, I know there's more. I know there's more. I said, how do you know that? She said, I've experienced it. I saw it in him. And I said, and boy, the lights just start going off in my head going, you don't need to argue with her. You don't need to debate her, right? You gotta show her. And you don't show her by making her the object. What made her appetite even wet was the fact that he got healed. She noticed it about him. He didn't even remember. Didn't notice it. It was subconsciously do you know he was naked and didn't know he was, and was not ashamed? Yeah. That's what that scripture in the Bible means in Genesis. Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of the evening talking to God and their eyes had a film over it of purity and righteousness. When they ate of the tree, their purity was gone and now they were able to see their exposure. God is trying to take us back to the gullibility, the vulnerability of believing who he says he is. That's when we're gonna see the manifestation of God's power. Amen. It's gonna be some people that just believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Go tell John what you see. Go tell John what we're doing. I'm not stopping. Now watch this. John, after hears the message, John's circumstances didn't change. Jesus didn't answer the prayer. You'd have thought John said, oh, thank God he's the one. When's he coming? Why is my circumstances not changed? Because Jesus went on to tell them, here's the deal, guys. There's not one greater that's born of a woman than John the Baptist. Not one. But there's one, the least into the kingdom is greater than John. What's he saying? He's saying the baptizing under repentance of getting stuff off of you was a great thing in John's day. But now I'm come that you might have life and life more abundantly. 
So no longer do you get it off of you, I'm taking you into a life that flows with way more than milk and honey. Don't get caught up in all of that. Don't get caught, it's necessary that John get beheaded. Why beheaded? Because the head represents the authority. And John had to be beheaded because the head of John represented the highest level of authority in the land at that time. He was the priest. So when he cut off his head, Herod did, and beheaded him, the, the highest level of authority, which was repentance unto dead works, was now beheaded. And now there's a new sheriff in town. His name's Jesus. His name is Jesus. And this Jesus can't be beheaded. So everybody that's born into Christ is greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was greatest among, that was born among women. That means he was greater than David. He was greater than Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Adam, Eve, Seth, Enoch. I can name them all. He was greater than all of them. He was greater than all of them that had been born of a woman. As long as you're born of just your physical location, physical body, he's greater than you. But a man that gets born again of the spirit, John now can't carry a torch for you. When you're born of a woman, you're equal to John. When you're born of the spirit, you're greater than John. What am I telling you? This thing we're living today, since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, is spiritual. It is a spiritual walk with your eyes open in the spirit to see things and hear things you've never heard and seen before. If you only try to get born again by getting stuff off of you and still living this human life, trying to make good choices and doing right things, and I'm just doing the best I can to get by, and you're trying to do it based on human effort, you're not good as John. But if you know that the greater one than John is in you, you are now greater than John. What will stop you from making the conversion is when things don't go your way, we start looking for somebody else other than Jesus. We look for the bank, the lawyer, the counsel of our friends, the church, the government, the, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Green Party, the Independent Party, or, whoever, or Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, CNN. We look for all of them to, what, to give us our answer. When the answer is this, it's in you. It is in you. If you have been born again, you have the fullness of God in you. Don't you dare get offended and frustrated and mad and angry when the circumstances of life have you boxed in or prayers aren't getting answered like you thought they should. You keep your eyes focused on him. Why? Because he's still healing, he's still delivering, He's still seeing the blind eyes open. We're still seeing the deaf ears to hear. Things are still happening supernatural. If you think God's not doing it, look around you. It may not be happening for you, but it's happening all around you because he has never quit setting people free, walking in a place of freedom. Would you stand with me? I confess to you that I really feel that we have the body of Christ has been over here. 
we've identified with John the Baptist, and the church itself hasn't seen or, or, or witnessed the wonderful things that God is doing. And because our circumstances of life have not changed, we've been looking for humanism, moral relativism, New Age, Middle Eastern. We've been looking for something else to give us the answer. We've been looking for, just, just give us a, just something. We've been looking for, I'll even bring it down to the detail. We've been looking for entertainment at church. Is the music good? Do they sing my song? Does it, does it, did it, did it help me today? All that stuff's important, it's, but it'll never replace him. There is one him and he dwells inside of you. And don't you think for one minute, I'm telling you, John the Baptist, if it can happen to him, it can happen to us. The one that was filled with the spirit from the birth, the one that said, behold the lamb of God, the one that was from the pedigree, had the right pedigree, his dad was the man. And he finds himself in a bad place, a situation that couldn't change. Prayer's not getting answered. And he says, God, are you, God, are Jesus, are you the one? He begins to doubt. He gets offended because what he was experiencing was different than what he saw out there. What he knew to be true. Don't you get offended. Don't you get offended. Because when you get offended, you just shuttle down. And you go, oh. and you want to recluse, pull yourself away from people. You, no, 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 no. Don't you get offended. You're gonna have every opportunity to be offended in 2019, not just here, but in life. But if you think for one minute, God's not answering prayer, you're wrong. Amen. He is answering prayer. I'm watching him restore marriages. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm asking, I'm seeing him restore marriages that I didn't think he ever would. And if I was God, I wouldn't have done it. I said, God, I'm asking you a favor if you put them back together, but I fully understand if you don't. I get it, I get it. I, I'm about to have it with him too, Lord. <laughs> I say, God can't do it anymore. And then, you know, people are sick and they can't move and their body aches. And I'm thinking to myself, God, my body aches too. Sometimes I don't feel like going to church, but I'm the pastor. I have to. And, and sometimes I wanna, I wanna tell people, get up. One guy told me, he said, he has never been here yet. I'm gonna get him here. I'm gonna keep indicting him until he comes. I said, he said to me, he said, man, he said, I just, I'm just not an early morning guy on Sunday. I said, church is at 11. <laughs> it's at 11. My goodness. He said, I'm just not, I just, you know, Sunday's is my only day to rest, my only day to rest. Hey, you call me at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. That's my only time to rest. <laughs> I said, I don't mind you calling me, but meet me in church. Well, my blood pressure, if I told me one Sunday, my blood pressure was just too high. If you're watching right now, in Jesus' name, you need to be in church. You know who you are. <laughs> he said, my blood pressure is just too high. I felt, I felt bad. Come, come where we are. Come, just be in church. There's every reason not to come. There's every reason to be offended. But I'm telling you, in the midst of all that, Jesus is still healing. He's still putting lives back together. He's still transforming crazy people. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's renewing mine. He's doing it. He is absolutely doing it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm seeing it every day. For, 
for every knucklehead we get over here, there's one over here being born again, right? And what I found is really most of the knuckleheads are already born again. They just get over here in this knucklehead stage and they can't get out of it. Get out of it, let's go. Man, the Lord is doing incredible things. I mean, incredible things. You wouldn't believe it. We, we, we're gonna need to give testimony. We're gonna do this too for the end of the year. We're gonna get people to give their testimony of what the Lord has done. Healed their body, touched their mind, put their lives back together, saving kids. Man, I've seen, a, one kid was on drugs for me. He's 16, he's now 36. 20 years, and OD, Narcan, all this stuff. 20 years on drugs, radically transformed. And you know what got him transformed? The drug dealers. He was walking into the drug dealers to buy drugs one day and he heard his mama's voice say to him, what are you doing? He heard the voice, what are you doing? He looked at the guy and he goes, here's the money. I need the drugs. And the guy said, what are you, what are you what's wrong with you? He said, he, said, he said, I just heard my mama's voice. He said, man, what are you, just, what are you on? Your mom's not here. He goes, I heard it in my head. He gives him the money, didn't take the drugs, give the drugs back, walked out, walked straight up to his mom's, went to her, our house, said, mom, I heard your voice. I heard your, I gotta get right. I don't know what it means. I don't know what I gotta do. I just gotta get right. She said, her words, as a mother, you're already right. You are already right. He hit his knees and began to cry. Listen, he's been sober for several months now, several months. And man, he's one of the craziest evangelist people I've ever seen in my life. He's going everywhere. And I'm th- every day I, t- I see her, her, hear about him, I'm thinking, man, he's gonna get killed. He's gonna get some crazy places. But you know what, something happened to him. He's not offended anymore. He don't care what people think. He's tasting the freedom of God. Father, in Jesus' name. Your people are gathered here today and they're watching by way of the internet. Every one of us have things that we pray and petition you for. We ask you to do and need you to help and need you to answer and all of that. And God, there's times when it just doesn't happen like we think it should or as fast as we think it should or even if it's gonna happen. But God, we sometimes we get offended. We get offended at you even though we take it out on other people. And God, we're not gonna do that anymore. We believe you're still healing. We still believe you're setting people free. We still believe that gospel has been preached to the poor. Blind eyes are open, the deaf ears are hearing. We believe all of that, God. Spiritually awakening is happening. We believe all that. And even though, God, in these little elements of our life that we don't see happen like we think we should, we're gonna still trust that you're the one. You are the one. You're the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. You're the one that John the Baptist wasn't even worthy enough to unlace the shoe shoe straps. You're the one that the Spirit of God descended upon in the Jordan River when you came up and it remained on you and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. You're the one. There is no other. We choose not to look at secular ways of life. We choose not to look at religious ways of life that are gonna bring us to uh, the end of ourself and not get answers for our solutions for our life. God, we are looking to you, the one and the only the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, there is none other than you. And we look to you for our answers and solutions of life. We exalt Jesus as Lord in this church, over the families of this church, the people that are listening and watching by way of internet. We exalt the name of Jesus above every name. Every other name has to bow to the name of Jesus. There is only one Christ, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and it is in your name, Jesus. 
And we thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the lives of your people. We are set up for the greatest outpouring of your spirit in our lives and corporately this world has ever seen. So we exalt Jesus and we allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life and we say, let Jesus and the name of Jesus rule and reign and have freedom reign throughout this entire land in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, I will see you Wednesday night.